This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Get charged up for action that'll shock your system. Tell me that's not cool. An unstoppable superhero and his crew embark on impossible missions and will bring mutated villains to justice. When static's in the house, bad guys better step off. Pull the plug on crime with the adventures of Static Shock. Yeah! Hey, everybody. Welcome to the DCAU Review. I am your host, Liam, with me, as he always is, and always shall be, is your other host, Cal. Cal, we are wrapping up our month of Static Shock, a little bit of an abbreviated month, thanks to our uh, two-week Halloween festivities earlier in the month. But uh, nonetheless, we are finishing up our latest stay in Dakota, and we've got a pretty big uh, episode, or in this case, two episodes, to talk about this week. That is right. Our 186th edition, always for our standard edition of the podcast, coming at you this week with, as we talked about, an exciting one. I can remember this one being a very exciting uh, moment for us as uh, the Justice League joins Static or vice versa. Static joins the Justice League uh, on two episodes, which are actually titled A League of Their Own Parts 1 and 2. But as you mentioned last week, maybe the big leagues would have been a uh, a, a, a more proper uh, title for these episodes. Or as an alternative, we could have uh, we could have Virgil and Richie fight a giant robot and then <laughs> Virgil's friend Richie is uh is taken over by a, ro- a robot those would be there the alternative. Uh, <laughs> but yeah we have a fun one today and uh, I am excited to get into talking about it with you today um I know we have our yet to be sponsored IMDB synopsis <laughs> segment coming up here in just a second for this episode and we have lots to talk about so we might as well jump into this episode Liam that originally debuted back on March the 2nd and March the 9th of 2003, meaning, yep, it's 18 years old. We just passed the 18 year anniversary this past March, coming up on 19 in just a few here short months. That is right, Cal. We'll be getting into our main categories in just a moment. But first, I have two synopses to read since we have a two parter here. So we'll kick it off with part one for A League of Their Own which part one was written by John Semper and Ernie Altbacker, part two written by Dwayne McDuffie. Uh, neither episode had a director credited, so we're going to give that a big old question mark for both parts there. Uh, we have music by Derek Thornton for both parts and animation for both parts by Coco. And those synopses read as such. Called to the Justice League Watchtower to help in a critical power problem, Static and Gear then have to help stop Brainiac's consciousness from seizing control of the station. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's not bad. And then for part two, unknown to everyone, Brainiac's consciousness has taken control of Gear. I believe the phrase, the word should have been unbeknownst, not unknown to everyone, but yeah, it's a little, a little clunky there. <sighs> yeah. Second one, not, not, not as good. But... We didn't stick the landing, but uh, <laughs> that can, uh, that can bring us into our plot. And since we have two episodes, Cal, and we probably don't uh, go scene by scene, but the good news is for that as far from, from an expediency standpoint is that 
despite this having a lot of moving parts, a lot of characters, this is as uh, the synopsis suggests, this is static and gear meet the Justice League, go up to the Justice League watchtower. Uh, this is the pre-unlimited watchtower, of course. And uh, and not only that, but they uh, they also run afoul of, you know, one of the biggest and baddest there is in the DCAU in Brainiac. So even part one is uh, is uh, opening up with we actually open on the watchtower with Batman and Hawkgirl looking over some data. They note that they have one final piece of Brainiac left in the universe as far as they know, which is this piece floating in some kind of weird uh, Luke Skywalker back to tank on the uh, on the watchtower. And uh, there uh, there's some chatter about whether or not they should just simply destroy this piece of Brainiac, which. I would, if I were them. Starting security check on the Brainiac stasis field. All six levels are intact. It's hard to believe that's the last piece of Brainiac circuitry. The last that we know of. How much of him do you think is in there? Too much. He's a regenerative computer program. A virus that won't die. There's an old saying about the wisdom of keeping your enemies close to you. But there are times I wouldn't mind sending Brainiac down the nearest black hole. Hey, I need everyone in the control room right away. We got a little problem. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, I mean, that's... Why let it it sit around for posterity's sake? (laughs) What do we got? gonna sit around and toast to the memory of brainiac uh, yeah it seems right seems like a I, idea. I get the don't kill thing for for you know living things but uh you know brainiac as as has been established and as the numerous dismemberings that his robot body has received across the various shows he's appeared on <laughs> uh, tell us is not a living thing so i'm not sure exactly why they decided to hold on to this piece of brainiac where they got it, I guess they're the speculation and kind of where this would fall in the uh, in the timeline of everything. Uh, I will leave up, of course, to our, our friends at the, at the Watchtower database to figure out the exact moment that this occurred. But uh, I guess this would you would assume this is after Twilight, right? This is after the Dark Side uh, Brainiac partnership that didn't exactly go as planned. Yeah, they don't directly m- reference it, but you assume that the Brainiac shaped asteroid that exploded uh, was, you know, maybe they, from the wreckage of that, they were able to retain some minor element of Brainiac and that's where this was harvested or something like that. But yeah, I would, I would, I think it would be safe to assume that that, that would be, uh, that would be true. Well, there we are. And uh, yeah. So anyway, as uh, there seems to be some sort of a cosmic event, I thought we were about to get like a fantastic four joke or something (laughs) there. The station is quite literally hit with cosmic rays, Um, but uh, no, no, no new superpowers are gained in the, uh, in the event, but it does cause the Justice League Watchtower's power core to become drained because uh, they had it had to shield itself from this attack or this uh, this phenomenon at least, and and so with no real way to recharge the power core, and with the Watchtower potentially being in danger of falling out of orbit and hurtling towards the ground, uh, they are not quite sure what to do until Batman has himself an idea, and that is that there is someone that could help them and could uh, repower the core. And that leads directly into really the only thing I want to talk about this week, which is the return of Carmen Dillo. 
and and the re- and some of Static's other baddies, but mostly Carmen Dillo. If I knew Static was friends with the Justice League, I wouldn't have joined you, Boneheads. Not even to do laundry. This could have, uh, you know, this is unofficially a Carmen Dillo month. He has made an <laughs> appearance in each episode. Three for month. three. We've done we've done theme months before. We've done our month of magic. We've done Green Lantern month. You know, we've had uh, various fun uh, it, with with different things. But you know, I, I think uh, this is unofficially Carmen Dillo month. So, uh, very <laughs> love it. Yeah, yes. Accidentally, the best month maybe we've had in the history of our, of our podcast. Just, just puts me in a good mood when I see that guy every time. <laughs> uh, but yes, we see Carmen Dillo, Hot Streak, as well as Puff and Onyx, uh, who we have previously met in other episodes of Static as well, all joining forces for a new uh, bang baby bad guy group called the meta men. I don't, I don't think, I think this is their only appearance, but uh, <laughs> they do show up here and my first thought was hot streak is too good for this. <laughs> like he's too, he's too high up in the static villain hierarchy to be like a lackey to, uh, or, or to be part of this, this crew. Uh-huh. Um, but he is there and uh, static and gear look like they're a little bit in over their heads. And thankfully that's when the, the justice league arrives and sort of, they all make quick work of, of statics baddies, which, kind of leads me to something that i thought about throughout this that they they don't really go down the path of uh of static having any kind of like inferiority con- complex mm-hmm. when he when he is dealing with these uh these superheroes and everything because it kind of feels like that's where we're headed for this with uh you know the justice league shows up and easily takes down like some of static's greatest foes and then tells them they need him to charge this battery and then jumping ahead a little bit they get called away on a distress call and they all leave on the watchtower and then static and gear are kind of left to fend for themselves as, as Brainiac sort of rears his ugly head and begins to try to uh, reactivate and take over the watchtower. So it feels like we're leading to this moment where, where static has to really face up to this and, and, you know, face down one of the greatest villains. And as we'll get to in, in the plot for part two in a moment here, also some of the greatest heroes of all time, but we don't really go there. We kind of opt for like a, lighter fluffier adventure tone at least at least especially i think for this first part as you know static and gear just kind of hanging out eating pizza and then as there's a you know it seems to be some technological issues going on they're almost blasted out of an airlock and uh as we as we see in a moment we finally see that brainiac has in fact infected the watchtower's computers and it's attention attempting to take over and he in fact uh created a fake distress call to lure the justice league away so static and gear are in a little bit of trouble here as we we get near to the end of part one yeah and and they end up doing battle with a a, a couple of robots that were already seemingly in the watchtower i you know one was a cleaning robot and the other one uh that uh, static aptly describes as a shack sized robot just <laughs> reminding us that uh, the hoop squad's best days are yet to come here. I think in this, right. in this series. So, uh, yeah, so they do battle and, and, uh, are, are, are a little bit overwhelmed. They are able to, to get a distress call back out to the justice league to let them know that this, uh, this distress call was a fake. We got to call the justice league. 
I'm gonna try to use their comm link. Brainiac doesn't have full control yet. does his best to explain exactly what his plan is to static and Richie. I do like the, the way that they explain it away is not just exposition uh, as static sort of questions, why Brainiac is sharing his plan with the both of them uh, sort of using it as a way to distract them uh, in, in an attempt to surprise them and get them uh, to take them by surprise with, uh, with the robots. But uh, yeah, they do, they do battle with the robots and the justice league are sort of locked outside of the watchtower. So it's up to static and Richie to or static and gear to uh, attempt to figure things out on their own. So uh, while the watchtower itself is sort of uh, t- taken over by Brainiac and he's using the watchtower defense systems, again, giant laser cannon hovering above the earth, also <laughs> apparently equipped with huge missiles. Why didn't anybody think this was a, was a, was a good idea? I, I don't know, especially when, you know, you have villains that are capable of hacking systems uh, very easily. Especially. I was going to say that this is not the first time that like some <laughs> villains have come to the watchtower. Right. Uh, nor would it be the last. I mean, the Justice Lords take it over at one point. The Morgan LeFay's guys get in there. There's, <laughs> I think there's at least one or two others that get in there somewhere. And, and that's just in these first two seasons. We're not even talking about Unlimited yet. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah there's. I'm not There's sure that holes in this plot here that the Justice League didn't quite uh, or not in the plot in the uh, the idea to put <laughs> a giant uh, missile defense system in the uh, in the sky and uh, and not really adjust on the fly as they realize that maybe this is uh, they, they need to have some sort of alternative plan in case it gets taken over. But uh, yeah, Richie and and uh, and Virgil or, or static and uh, and gear in this case are able to. Uh, figure out a plan they know they have to get to the sort of the the heart of the the watchtower to sort of figure out how they can uh, get to brainiac where he's uh running the watchtower they get there and sort of have this battle between the two of them uh static is sort of about to go and and sort of try and overcharge the battery i guess and he's taken captive so then we kind of get the idea that uh the gear gets to shine a little bit and he has backpack with him who's able to plug into the system and using his his brain uh he's able to figure out that since brainiac is a computer all he has to do is overload the memory and it'll slow him down and uh allow the justice league to uh to get to get in in time to stop things and this allows jean to phase into the into the watchtower at that point, and uh, they're able to, to seemingly rid Brainiac of the watchtower at that point and take over and defeat him. Uh, however, not before he swears that uh, he'll return. And uh, the way that they defeat him is by downloading the same song. I think he says like 60 million times or 6 million <laughs> times or something like that. Oh, yes, it is. Download the 
downloading this song a hundred billion times is filling up the station's memory. Brainiac will crash, just like my home computer does if I try to do too many things at once. Hear that, guys? The Watchtower's been turned into a house party, and Gear and Static are the DJs. They're trying to disorient him from the inside. Looks like it's working. does that as a way to overload the memory and uh interestingly enough brainiac's last thing that he swears first of all uh i would be remiss not to mention that during this part uh he gives a great shout out to the all your base are belong to us meme yes uh, i have that in my notes as well (laughs) which is uh which is your base will soon belong to me or something like that. I think is the line that he says, but uh, if you're not familiar, one of the, maybe the first memes ever uh, mm-hmm. a great shout out to that, that meme back in 2003 here. And then uh, he, as he's overloaded and sort of uh, swearing his revenge on both uh, gear and static, he says that he will soon be back to lay down the funk. <laughs> Uh, which was which was hilarious and we'll get into voice acting a little, little bit but uh hearing our classic brainiac voice uh, deliver that line i think it's funny but yeah so then we seemingly feel like uh that's that's the end of it we put a nice little bow on it the justice league thanks static and richie and uh richie is sort of uh bidding static adieu for the evening back at their headquarters only to have backpack attack him and uh, reveal that brainiac has actually downloaded himself into backpack and we're sort of left with this uh left with this uh, to be continued uh, classic end of part one here as we hear richie scream and uh we're not quite sure what to think of it and then uh that that takes us into part two where uh it, basically we have we have richie under he's sort of becoming this computer human hybrid, which I think is interesting. We'll talk about in visuals, but he Brainiac is literally taking over his physical form and is using him to uh, devise this plot, which is creating not only uh, a physical form for himself, but uh, to, to try and figure out how he's going to complete his natural plan, which keeping with the DCAU Brainiac here is to collect all of the memories from the planet and then destroy it. So uh, he enlists Richie through uh, this, this sort of takeover, and uh, that that leads Virgil and Static to kind of begin suspecting that maybe something is is up with Richie based on how he's acting. And then the Justice League also, uh, as they're doing their cleanup from uh, what's happened in the Watchtower, uh, realize that Brainiac may have escaped and downloaded onto uh, onto Backpack. Batman? Am I reading this wrong? It looks like there's been a big download from our computer's hard drive. You're right. And it happened just before we defeated Brainiac. Do you think maybe Brainiac escaped? How could he? He'd need another computer to survive. We've swept all of our hard drives clean and nobody's taken any technology out of here. What about that kid who had a computer on his back? Gear? We'd better check him out. Flash? Way ahead of you. I'll run him down. Um, how do I find him? I don't know what he looks like under his mask. This might help. While they were here, our security cameras caught them having lunch. 
He's the one on the left. I was wondering where all the pizza went. Okay, I'm off. That's right. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, a pretty interesting sequence there, as you mentioned. It's, I guess, in a way, and this is not an episode we've reviewed yet, but it's also like a, a little bit of a precursor to Brainiac uh, melding with Lex Luthor later on, right? Mm-hmm. The, this, mm-hmm. this is really, the, I guess this is our first note in the DCAU that one that I guess he can control people's minds. We haven't really seen that to this point in the series. And then also that he is able to uh, specifically uh, is able to sort of meld his technology with, with human flesh. So uh, yeah, we got, we get kind of a, an interesting double reveal there um, with, uh, with the way he's sort of slowly taking over Richie. And then in also in turn, uh, when the flash goes to find Richie is able to take him over as well. And that sort of leads to a, uh, a pretty interesting sequence as as the the rest of the league comes looking for both Flash and Richie and uh, Static tries to reach him and uh, Richie invites them to all come down to this uh, this abandoned steel factory in uh, in some part of Dakota. Every every DC city has an abandoned warehouse district, I guess. So so uh, Dakota is no different here. And uh, as they go in, uh, it's it's noted that there's definitely been something going on as we see all of this sort of futuristic alien technology and and uh, the Justice League is not sure what's what's going on, but they see the Flash who uh, then throws these mind control discs. They don't have a name. That's literally what they're called. Uh, <laughs> Richie refers to them as his mind control discs at one point. And uh, on all of uh, the Justice League and Static, but thankfully Static's powers are able to short circuit the uh, the control chip and he's able to break free. But the bad news for him is that that also means he now has to face down with the entire Justice League or not the entire Justice League because uh, Superman and Wonder Woman are not present for this adventure. But... Which is weird when you think about it, that Brainiac is the villain, but Superman is nowhere to be found. Yeah, what's he what's he up to? What's not sure not even a mention not even a throwaway line but okay but uh yeah either way they're they're not present but uh batman green lantern martian manhunter hawk girl and of course the flash are all uh all in action here against static we get a a pretty fun sequence we'll certainly talk more about in visuals in a little bit here but static has to kind of one by one take them on and figure out a way to uh short circuit the little control chip on his uh on on their uh on their person and sort of bring them back to the uh to the good side and he that that's a very fun sequence and and then as as they sort of all break free and they kind of return back to the uh to the steel factory we get the first another first of something we would see later on in justice league unlimited which is the giant brainiac tentacle head uh that uh that bursts out of uh out of the warehouse and, and begins flo- floating over Dakota and sort of slowly blasting and digitizing various things. Uh, no people, thankfully, but uh, some various inanimate objects as it, as it sort of begins to make a rampage across Dakota as it starts its final mission of, of taking everything over there. And the league's able to break into the, uh, the big head and they, they finally are, they're in trouble here. And actually I should say before they go to the head, they tell Static to stay behind because it's sort of implied that they're going to go kill Richie. Like, they don't <laughs> say that, but, like, Green Lantern kind of says that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 guess. I guess. Maybe maybe they were just worried that that might have to be, or that in the process and not knowing where Brainiac uh, had Richie at this point, whether or not he, had, he himself had killed them. I, I don't know. Okay. I, 
I would like to think that the Justice League would not would not lead with that <laughs> as a possibility, uh, but I, I could be swayed otherwise. Yeah, so a little a little bit indeterminate. But either way, Batman tells Static that he's too close to this and that he's not he's not able to uh, to join them as they go to sort of make their final attack on the ship. And in the meantime, Static realizes that uh, when when Richie had briefly broken free of Brainiac's control, he had kept mentioning the word control over and over again. And uh, Static sort of finally has the realization that Richie must have been talking about the con- the remote control that controls backpack and if they can shut backpack down since that's sort of the source of brainiacs uh you know rebirth here that that can uh that could give the league time to destroy the rest of the ship and and save richie so uh, we get that sort of final battle there as we we get some some new and exciting uh different looking brainiac robots which again i'm sure we'll talk about in visuals here but uh, the league sort of tangles with them and then they're finally able to break in and it looks like all hope is lost perhaps for a moment, but static is able to uh, finally get a, a shot of electricity onto that remote and sort of shut everything down and they're able to free Richie and, and they're all sort of able, uh, the rest of the league is able to escape as uh, Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter sort of stay behind to make sure that the ship uh, is going down with Brainiac inside and that it'll be destroyed for good this time. And uh, that's sort of our, our finale there is we, we get kind of our, our nice little happy ending. Richie is shown to be free of Brainiac's control. And we get some, uh, some nice sort of encouraging words from, uh, from the older heroes, as, as they mentioned, that Static sort, sort, certainly has proven himself here today and, and that he'll make a fine addition to the Justice League one day, or perhaps he could anyway. And as we know, he will. You'll have to reprogram your robot. But he should be okay. Listen, I uh, want to thank everyone for saving me. I'm not sure what to say. You can thank your buddy the most. Turns out there's a lot of power in plain old friendship. Sometimes we forget that. For a rookie, you did well, Static. But I can tell you're going to be a handful when you finally join the league. I'm sorry. Did you say when I joined the league? Anything's possible when you're a little older. Yeah. But remember, I get first dibs in the pizza. So uh, I really enjoyed that as, as, a, as a little bow on that to just let you know that, you know, Static as a kid is maybe not on the level of all of these tip, tippy top DC heroes yet. But one day he will stand shoulder to shoulder with them and be, you know, just as uh, just as important a part of the Justice League as any of them. So that's kind of how we end things. And and uh, overall, uh, we can, I guess we can get towards our scores here. I think part one is kind of dull mm. and like, it's just slow. It's like, I think because they, it's, it's just a little slow moving. Like I said, we don't really have any like character beats in that episode. Um, and I think most of the justice league and we can get, maybe get into this a little bit in voice acting later too. Um, but I feel like everything a justice leaguer says in part one, you could have given that line to any of them. Like it didn't feel like there was any sort of, like other than who was speaking the line, it didn't feel like it was really coming out of any of like any of those lines could have come out of any of their mouths. So I didn't feel like there was a lot of personality in the justice league in part one. And then it's just, otherwise it's, it's static and Richie fighting some robots, which is fun, but it's not particularly, uh, you know, investing. Um, But on the other hand, I thought part two, it's dramatic because you have Richie sort of slowly taking control. You have that, 
almost sort of horror movie feel as he, you know, he gets taken over at the end of part one and then takes control of the flash in part two. And then you have this sort of very tense moment where the league is taken over and statics on his own fighting against the, you know, the, the world's greatest heroes and everything. So I really think part two kind of elevates this in a way where I thought part one had kind of left me feeling wanting a little bit, but I think part two is really where this episode and this story as a whole shines and not to throw a, you know, a John, John Semper or Mr. Ernie Outbacker under the bus. Um, but part two being having a different writer in, in Mr. Dwayne McDuffie, knowing how well he, of course, could write static as he was one of the co-creators of the character, but also how important his his uh, ideas and, and writing was to the some of the best episodes of Justice League. It does feel like episode, uh, part two of this is really where it shines from like a narrative perspective for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think some of it could just be, well, first of all, uh, the late great Dwayne McDuffie, as we all know, is uh, maybe one of one of, if not the best storyteller of our of the DC uh, DCAU and, and one of the greatest comic storytellers mm-hmm. uh, in our generation. So, you know, the fact that he was <laughs> that he kind of was able to write perhaps a superior episode is not surprising to anybody and is not a slight, as you said, against the other writers. It's just that it's it's hard it's hard to match up against one of the greatest of all time you know it's just it's just a, a statement of fact um so yeah and the fact that mr mcduffie was likely a little bit more familiar and had a, always seemed to have a little bit more heart uh for not only the character of static you know being a co-creator and and but having worked so much with the justice league and uh and then going forward of course it, it, working with them even further yeah it's it's it, it does seem to have a little bit more depth it does seem to be a little less fluff it's a little bit less banging your action figures together and static and <laughs> you're fighting a fighting two giant robots uh, you know while while the heroes are away um you know there's literally a home alone joke made in the in the first episode <laughs> and in in a way it doesn't does not feel all that different from the plot of home alone where they have to you know they have to figure out how without the adults around they're going to they're going to keep the the house safe you know um so I will say that I don't feel like either part undermined static, which is we've mm-hmm. talked about that before in the, in the episodes that have guest starred both Batman and Superman. It's hard when you have the adult superhero show up on your show. And in this case, you have this, you know, five of the seven greatest superheroes uh, in the gal or in this universe show up. Uh, and, and how do you make it so that the star of your show is still, the star of your show so for the first part you have well you have them show up and they are then gone for most of the episode well that's mm-hmm. how we we make them this i think part two instead of having them off on another mission you know on a side quest you have them integrated to the part of it into the heart of the story and static as you mentioned one of the big heartbeats is him having to figure out this little segment where he has to get the mind control discs off of each member of the justice league and so it's him up against these uh each member 101 and you know there's there's 
him adapting to each of the heroes and certainly he gets some help at the end to, to take on GL. But um, yeah, I, I think that the story beats of that and, and, and the tension that's created and his best friend being overtaken by Brainiac and all of that. I do think that, yeah, I, I shockingly don't disagree with you that part two <laughs> does seem to, to be a little bit more uh, story driven. I do think that as a whole, that, part one still is fun. There's, there's certainly elements of it that are fun. Um, seeing static and, and honestly gear Richie getting the spotlight for that final sequence there where he really gets to shine. He gets to be the person that really figures out how to foil brainiac. And, you know, as we know, gear having this bang baby metahuman power of enhanced intelligence him going up against a villain literally named brainiac i think is pretty poetic and it worked <laughs> it worked out uh in in, mm-hmm. in being an interesting story uh telling device there so i really do like overall both parts together i will agree with you if i'm you know we'll talk about this in rewatchability but i think part two is it, I do like that you can kind of watch them in a vacuum minus the minus the cliffhanger in part one. You can kind of almost watch each of these on their own. And I would always pick part two, I think, over part one just for the action and the excitement and the, you know, the intrigue. Mm-hmm. Um, but for all those reasons, I think looking at this as a entire story, a pair of episodes, imagine if this was a Justice League, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it's really strong and I ended up giving things a eight out of 10 for plot. What about you? Yeah, I'm right in that same ballpark. I went seven out of 10. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, part two, a lot more than part one. Um, just as I said, I thought part one was fine, but maybe not not exactly what you picture from a static meets the Justice League type adventure. Um, but part two, I think, kind of delivers that in spades and really kind of lifts up the uh, the overall story between the two parts. So uh, definitely high marks from both of us. And uh, as we can move on here, Cal, to visuals and animation. Once again, we do not have a director credited for either part of this, um, but we do, of course, have Coco credited as the animation studio who worked on both parts. Uh, what are some stuff that stood out to you from a visual standpoint this week? Well, the first thing I wrote down is we are not in the first two seasons anymore, are we? <laughs> uh, not at all, man. It's uh, it is always a breath a breath of fresh air to get into these later seasons of Static, where things tend to look a little bit more professional, a little bit more uh, taken with care. And, you know, obviously you have the the character models from Justice League that really transition seamlessly over to this, this uh, you know, season three static look where you have Static's new costume, you have, you know, more care and cell shading and detail in the animation. And we've talked about that in the past that really uh, it's night and day and it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, to judge those first two seasons because budget wise, they were not given the same, you know, you know, care and, right. And uh, you know, so to judge those seasons in a vacuum, you know, we do that, we do our best to do that, but man, if it doesn't just feel like a more, professional deep grounded in the dcau series when you have this this version of the the static animation and you know the fact that they were they 
put these characters right next to the justice league and they, it looks like they fit. Um, you know, it, mm-hmm. I didn't notice anything in particular. We talked about some of the differences in the character models on, you know, you can hear in the archives when we talked about uh, the Superman crossover episode or the prior to Batman crossover episodes where his look was based a little bit more on the new Batman adventures. This is completely seamless in my opinion, you know, for, for these characters to show up um, as far as the justice league is concerned, people looked on model. It looked straight out of, you know, a justice league episode. Um, I will say there, of course, there's a little bit of difference in the way that Brainiac kind of shows up. We do get, his ultimate form in part two but we kind of get this digitized version of him in part one um, mainly on a computer screen Um, we'll talk a little bit about his voice in in voice acting but um, it, it it feels much more like a dcau episode and you know we talked about some of the the characters may be looking slightly off model or kind of placed in the static universe and not being a, a direct reference model from their shows in the Superman and then the Batman episodes. This not the case at all. And I, I think, uh, 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 you know, having having some fun visuals throughout, you know, really having gear use backpack a lot for a lot of stuff. I think the action in the part one is with the robots. The intrigue comes from the different robots they use and, you know, these giant metal monsters that are fighting static and gear for the majority of it. Of course, we do get the javelin and the watchtower pretty much as your as your bases of operation in that in that first episode. So those looked on model as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I think that the fun really comes in part two, where you end up getting, you know, not only uh, this Richie Brainiac hybrid as we begin to see Brainiac take over him. It starts with just the, the classic three circled Brainiac logo on his neck. And then it begins mm-hmm. to spread. We start to see his eyes, you know, begin to turn green. There's actually an interesting, uh, interesting moment when the flash goes to check on Richie. He's sent there by the justice league and uh, he finds Richie and they're looking around for gear uh, or for, or backpack and uh, as backpack sort of latches on to flash, he tries to spin out of it and it isn't able to. And that's where of course, Richie reveals that he's been taken over by Brainiac. And as he's talking to, to flash, his eyes turn green. And then they did this effect where his lenses on his glasses turned into, you see Brainiac's face reflect in the glasses. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the logistics of that actually happening or how, if he was shooting, if Brainiac was like shooting the reflections out of his eyes or what, but it was freaking cool. I don't care. It was was a neat little trick that they did, you know, kind of the reveal there to, to your, the audience, obviously having already known it. So the reveal to flash uh, that the Brainiac was the one operating at that point uh, was, was pretty awesome. Um, And then I think later on in the episode, as you mentioned, we get uh, Brainiac floating tentacle head 1.0, which of course is a classic Brainiac uh, trope. We've seen it in the comics for years. It was on the Super Fr- old Super Friends show. And then of course it shows up later on. 
in Justice League Unlimited. So, uh, yeah, seeing the the first version of that floating Brainiac head, it doesn't quite have the face uh, that we're we're used to. It's more the eyes. It was more based on sort of uh, the, the the Brainiac model from Superman the Animated Series, just sort of modified a little bit. Um, so I I do like that. I I do like the way that this one looks a little bit more akin to that. It shoots these beams out of its eyes like we're used to and it sort of digitized it i liked again i don't know about the logistics of what it was doing to the the items that it was shooting a digitizing they kept saying uh, is what it was doing uh but it the the visuals of that there was this green glow and these green boxes that it sort of you know pixelated almost and then disappeared mm -hmm. and then later on when they discover the control room in the head uh they Brainiac's robots begin to sort of digitally appearing out of the walls. I thought that scene was just absolutely fantastic because they're sort of digitizing out of the walls and they're sort of like pulling out of the walls, almost like they're, they're manifesting sort of like ghosts or something coming out of mm -hmm. the walls. Really, really neat. Um, but those, I think those things were the ones that, that stood out to me outside of, you know, seeing our, justice league heroes on a static shock episode yeah no that's a lot of great a lot of great stuff i definitely agree with you especially about, about that that scene where where richie kind of he has the hood up and the and the eyes are glowing and you see that brainiac reflection i think that's that's a really incredible visual and has this really ominous tone to it and uh yeah i think i think for for my money uh, part one, I think we mostly covered there. Uh, my only other notes, there were some minor stuff I noticed, like Green Lantern's ring is on the wrong finger, and then there's a scene where he doesn't have gloves on, yep. um, so they had a little, a little bit of trouble. One of the other things I, I noticed in part one, did you notice when mm -hmm. Richie, so Richie and Static are eating pizza, Richie has mm -hmm. his helmet off, so his glasses are on, and then he literally, they show him putting his helmet on and his glasses disappear. <laughs> i didn't notice that i don't know like i get that the shield in his helmet is supposed to be i guess his lens sort of like a football helmet you know in, in the states here you know mm -hmm. professional nfl football you have these giant shields that they use as sort of a of, of a glasses lens so i could see that happening as part of his face shield but the glasses literally disappear so i i don't know i don't know if it's a, supposed to be a projection like the helmet is like a projection of his eyes or or what but the glasses just literally disappeared. And, and that was something I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. I don't, don't. <laughs> uh, also in part one, uh, Batman wears a space suit. I don't think we get space suit Batman uh, in any <laughs> other iteration of the DCAU. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. There's that, that sequence is probably the, the visual highlight for me of part one is uh yeah, we got Batman with with his little ears sticking out of the, the <laughs> helmet, which I which I really enjoyed. And uh, he throws like a rocket propelled battering at one point, which I thought was cool too. Like that's a a new variation on uh, you know how many times could we possibly? And I think that's a, that's the line for Bruce Tim on one of the commentary tracks. And Justly was like, how many times can we have Batman throw a battering at something and have it be exciting? So the fact that they found kind of a new way to do that with him being sort of floating out in space and, and using this rocket propelled one, I thought was cool. That sequence is, is, is pretty fun with that. It's the part where you know, they, there's, as you mentioned, uh, there's missiles fired at them and 
uh, Jean kind of flies up and grabs one and then sort of wrestles with it. And he's kind of struggling with it. And he's sort of able to angle it towards another one. And they sort of meet in the middle and explode as, as they're fighting and Brainiac sort of taking over. There's this green energy sort of percolating all over the, the watchtower that eventually forms into Brainiac's face, which I think is a pretty fun visual there in part one. Uh, there's a, just a, a real simple thing as like uh Green Lantern comes out of the thing and one of the laser cannons fires at him and he just stops it with his hand like Kylo Ren in the <laughs> in uh, the Force Awakens and and then and then fires off a blast of his own. I thought that was kind of a a, a different take on the uh, on the green on the Green Lantern shield type of thing. So I think that's that's kind of a fun moment. Uh, Flash learned how to fly a javelin between uh, in Brightest <laughs> Day or in, in Blackest Night and now. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's left behind to pilot it. But yeah. But yeah, as far as part two goes, I think I think the standout thing that a lot of people will remember from this episode, if nothing else, is uh, the sequence where Static has to fight the Justice League, of course. And I liked the sort of different ways he was able to kind of uh, disarm the leaguers. So something as simple as just like kind of outmaneuvering Hawk Girl at first, but then he's sort of, you know, under attack from Batman and Batman sort of makes the mistake of throwing a, a rope around him and static is able to electrify the rope to knock to uh, to knock Batman down and fry his chip. And then another one of those uh, static has powers when he needs them type of thing mm-hmm. uh, where, where he, where he, uh, where he is uh, fighting the flash and, and the flash is obviously, you know, uh, a, a significant uh, power level and power threats to static, but static is able to electrify the ground and, uh, somehow make uh, Flash Flash's feet stick to the ground. It's his static cling, of course. Right. He, does, he, does. he uses it all the time. So he's able to use that and then fry it on the back. And then John, who's phasing, I have always been curious about because there there is an episode where he's in a spacesuit and the spacesuit phases with him. Mm-hmm. In part one, we see him phase into the watchtower run point, but his spacesuit is gone when he comes in. Mm-hmm. And then in this episode where he has the control chip on his chest, he's able to phase with that on its on his chest and the, it doesn't fall off. Mm-hmm. so again that's that's maybe more internal logic but yeah i had mentioned i had mentioned i had noted him phasing out of his spacesuit into the into the uh into the watchtower in part one and then i it didn't even i i, I didn't get the logistics of how static when he was phasing with the the mind control disc static was still able to fry the disc i i did not get that yeah we as far as we can see like a regular like bolt of electricity or whatever that static fires would have just gone right through 
him. So it's not like, oh, it's specifically because it was an, an energy attack or an electrical attack that it could still hurt him. But and you would think if it was just like, well, everything else was was intangible, but the disc remained solid. He's phasing through walls and like they're in like a junkyard. So he's phasing through like pile, like, you know, crushed cars and stuff. So if if the disc was still solid, you would have thought it would just like get caught on something that he was phasing through. So I again, that's maybe more asking for a little bit too much for from a cartoon for children. But that did that that did. That did raise my uh, my eyebrow a little bit on that one, but uh, yeah, overall, I think that sequence is fun. And then, as we mentioned, that that sort of final battle, as you mentioned, the the new Brainiac bots that the league has to fight, and then the giant tentacle head, and that that final sequence there is uh, as they're sort of escaping, and we get the big explosion, and then and and we sort of wrap up with everything. I I think this is a, like I said, I definitely think once again much like with our our plot, I think part 2 is stronger. It has more going on. It's more of like the whole crew is in action versus just kind of static and gear with uh, you know the just league kind of just helping out from the outside. So uh, I appreciated that. I think this my score is as high as it is mostly for part 2 and uh, that's why I settled on an 8 out of 10 for my visual score. Nice. I went nine out of 10. I think honestly, I would have given it a eight. I mean, a 10 out of 10, but those little continuity things, the green lantern, no gloves in the one shot, the Richie glasses mm. really. Yeah. There was some, there was a couple of errors there that I, I just couldn't, I can't it, like, I noticed it. I can't. Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. it. So, uh, and, and not to throw the, those sort of things under the bus, but like this isn't super friends or, or you know iron man the animated series season one or something you know like this is there's a certain level of quality even to static i think especially by these later seasons that you you don't really see goofs like that with miscoloring or or mistakes like that made so i think yeah i think that's that's a fair fair reason to to bring your score down just a notch but uh, still very strong scores from both of us and that will bring us to my favorite thing to talk about when we get into a season three or later episode of Static. And that is, of course, Cal, we must talk about music. And let me just say, first off, I love the weird Flash theme where it's just a guy going step by step. I'm going to take you down. <laughs> that is my new favorite. That might be my new favorite random Static uh, lyric song that we hear, we hear when he is cha- running through Dakota looking for Richie at the start of part two. And then we hear it again when the flash uh, starts running after Virgil, after he's been mind controlled by Brainiac. So the flash's theme being this weird dude, just yelling step-by-step, I'm going to shake you down or I'm going to take you down, whatever he says, Uh, big thumbs up from me, but uh, I get a feeling you might have a a different, a a difference of opinion on this. Yeah. The the rage against the machine sound alike for (laughs) step-by-step. was not was not on my list of things that i loved i i think i appreciate the idea that they were like we're gonna have this sequence of the flash running around and being the flash he's like flirtatious with these women and flirting with these women and you know he's looking for richie and you know what we need a full flash song soundtrack for this little bit here so we're going to write the words, which again, as you mentioned, we're step by step. I'm going to take you down step by step. I'm going to shake you down. I think that I think then it usually follows up with 
these songs are pretty formulaic. It's like, <laughs> what you going to do or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's typically there's like a, and then I think it comes back at the end or in the next part where later on uh, as the justice league arrives at this, this is uh, abandoned steel mill or whatever it is. And flashes clearly helped Richie, uh, under Brainiac, both of them under Brainiac's mind control at that point, build this giant uh, Brainiac head and uh, subsequently the Brainiac body as well. And uh, I think it comes back there for a moment, too, as he throws the, the mind control discs around. But yeah, a very, very interesting choice. But part one, we had a song that went, show me something, show me what you yes. got. <laughs> that was that was the song from the part one that I noted. And then we had... <laughs> Um, we had step by step and then we also had bring it, bring it, what you going to do. And that was, I think during the, uh, the final battle, uh, of part, uh, part two. So we had three <laughs> different songs, uh, with, with lyrics, which were, uh, you know, I'm sure various homages to, to various different music. As I mentioned, the one was very rage against the machine to yes. me. So, um, I will say that by the third one, I was laughing. So <laughs> I wasn't annoyed this week by it. I was laughing at it. So I didn't give my typical uh, hatred score for this week. Uh, <laughs> and it didn't, it uh, honestly, it only slightly took me out of the episode. Uh, not as usual, not as much as usual. Uh, so I actually, uh, for the third time this month, I ended up with a score of six out of 10 for music because I am grading on a curve. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah. I, I, only other note I have is of course we get our, our static hero theme throughout the, the end of part one. And then uh, during that, uh, that scene in part two, but we also, of course, just briefly, they don't overuse it, but the, uh, the dancey like, techno remix of the danny elfman batman theme returns it's almost uh, like a midi midi version of it like uh mm -hmm. like it's it's yeah it's something you would hear as a ringtone almost or something like Mm -hmm. when he wakes up it's not it's not quite eight bit version but it's definitely yes. like a like a jazzed up midi version of it mm-hmm. and we just yeah we just get like a quick a quick note of that as a uh, batman under brainiac's control static is sort of flying and then he he looks down and sees all of these batarangs hurling a barrage him. of batarangs is yes. What yes we yes we neglected to mention that in visuals but yeah that's that's how batman greets static and and then uh then he sort of, as we mentioned, grabs the bat rope around uh, Static's ankle, and which is Static is able to use to uh, disarm him or or uh, to disable his uh, his control chip. And and yeah, that's uh, we get we get that that returning uh, Danny Elfman theme. So yeah, overall, as as we've dis- as we've established, uh, I really generally enjoy this music for whatever reason. Part of it maybe is like there's some humor to it for me, but I also mm-hmm. just think, hey, it it it's very unique to this show. And, you know, we talk it's in in a, in a different way than like the Batman Beyond score is is unique because it uses guitars or something. This this guy's, uh, you know, this this show's uniqueness comes from the 
you know the the lyrical nature of its uh, of its background music and i enjoy that so i gave music a, a pretty strong eight out of ten okay i don't think that's quite i think because you gave it a six we don't need to for once we don't need to roll out the uh, the disagreement alarm on a static music segment but uh, but that will bring us to our final category cal which of course is a voice acting uh, just very quickly we have some as we mentioned some of statics uh, rogues appear we do have kimberly brooks briefly as puff and uh, danny cooksey as hot streak as well as gene smart returning as uh richie's mom briefly and uh then it should be mentioned we have Corey burton the great returning as brainiac in parts one and two of this episode but somewhat similarly but much much more dramatically i think than what we talked about with the ebon voice effect last week uh they did some stuff to uh there was some post-production work on Corey Burton's uh, on Corey Burton's performance, and I don't think it was for the better, personally. Foolish humans, you are in my house now. Where's Richie? With me, of course. He sees everything, knows everything. Richie, shut him down. Hit the remote. Unfortunately for you, he can do nothing. No one can, especially after I. Yeah, you can still tell. And it's interesting because I I was like, I remembered after we started watching the episode, it's like, oh, he has this he has this voice effect on. And I thought maybe it was just initially because he's sort of like struggling to gain power in the watchtower. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking that maybe it's you know affected by it. It's somewhat distorted, but it ends up being for the entire episode. But if you listen closely, the cadence and, and the way that he delivers the, the lines, you can tell that it's Corey Burton underneath all of the voice effect. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, if you had gone with this voice effect, perhaps from the get go for, or perhaps in a prior appearance, then I think it would have been less jarring. But since this is the only time that we get this voice effect on this character, it is extremely jarring because you are Corey Burton's voice, as we've talked about mm -hmm. before, specifically his brainiac voice is one of the iconic voices for this series. And you are very, very used to that unfiltered and maybe slightly, you know, there's a slight effect on his voice, but it is not to the point where we have a deepening and a distortion like we have. And it's a, there's like a layering effect. So you get multiple, it sounds like it echoes a little bit. Um, so yeah, I did not love it either. Uh, and that's just a preference. It's not because it's bad. It's because it does not sound like what we are used to for the duration of the DCAU. Uh, it's, it's just not what we, uh, even, even later on when he layers it with, uh, lack spoiler alert for the justice league, Unlimited, <laughs> but when there's a layered vocal double vocal, where you get Corey Burton and Clancy Brown sort of, uh, uniting and and getting the, delivering the lines together it doesn't have this you can still hear Corey burton's voice in it um and because his voice is so iconic i i will say that i i did not uh really enjoy this version of brainiac because of that yeah and there's and that's the thing especially when as you mentioned he 
declares that he will return to lay the funk down <laughs> at the end of part one. Like that in Corey Burton's traditional Brainiac voice is like a phenomenal line <laughs> that we are we are somewhat robbed of because it's so uh, distorted and and they they put so much uh, you know a- after effects into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, elsewhere in the cast, and we'll talk because there's actually a point where he and uh, and Richie are sort of co- they're both reading the same lines and sort of speaking as one, which I think is a pretty interesting part. But we'll get to that as we get to our main actors. But of course, in supporting roles for a change, we of course, as mentioned, have the Justice League. We have Maria Canales as Hawkgirl. We have Michael Rosenbaum as the Flash. Carl Lumbly as Martian Manhunter, and of course, the great Kevin Conroy as Batman. Uh, like I said in, in plot, I think part one, everybody's fine, but nobody really has anything interesting to say. They're all just kind of doing exposition about or, or saying what's happening on the, on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I think, like I said, I think in part two, there's a little bit more flat. Like, like you said, there's that kind of extended sequence where Flash is going around Dakota looking for Richie and we get to see him show a little bit of personality. And that's, of course, reflected in in Michael Rosenbaum's performance, you, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, Maria Canales doesn't have a lot to do as Hawkgirl uh, uh, across the two parts other than her kind of bullying Richie in part one, which I think is pretty funny. Um, but uh, other than that, and then, yeah, Carl Lumbly, and uh, of course I'm leaving one Justice League or out, that being, of course, uh, Green Lantern, uh, because we have our main actor, uh, our main actors, I'll say. First, we have... Jason Marsden playing Richie slash gear slash Carmen Dillo. That's right. Uh, so the star so of the he, show. That's right. The, one, of the, one of the members of uh, the either, depending on how you voted this week on our poll on Spotify, either the zoo world order <laughs> or the inhumane society, whichever you prefer as we have dutifully named our group of uh, meta human animal breed, uh, hybrids. <laughs> I'm married to them. A hundred episodes will still be pitching ideas for <laughs> Carmen Dillo, Mr. Wing, and Grodd, and Talon, and all of these animal characters uh, <laughs> teaming up. Like, it's <laughs> great. One day, you and I will be called upon by the fine folks at Warner <laughs> Brothers for consulting work, and this idea will happen. That's right. That's that's the dream right there. But uh, yes, we uh, we do get the um, we get as we said. Uh, Richie or Jason Marston in this case playing Richie um, has has a lot to do both in part one obviously he and Static are in the watchtower together but then obviously in part two is he has to sort of play the first the sort of robotic under control Richie where he's just sort of speaking very softly and and robotically no pun intended and then uh, once later in the episode as it's sort of more revealed that and Brainiac has sort of begun to take more control of him as we talked about you know visually we see his eyes glowing and we see sort of metal on his neck and his face Um, we we also get we get him and Corey Burton both sort of speaking in unison at once which I do think despite the the maybe distracting voice effects on Corey Burton's side of things, I do think that creates a, a pretty cool sequence there when he's sort of talking to, to Static and and uh, and even to to the Flash in that first scene where where it's both uh, Jason Jason Marston and Corey Burton sort of speaking together in unison. I think that's that's kind of a cool creepy vibe in that scene. Yeah, and I think as I mentioned, unless I'm unless I'm misremembering, I think they do the same thing once he unites with Lex in the Justice yes. League, so Justice League finale. So again, we have a foreshadowing here, or at least 
maybe not intentionally, but a, a, a first prime example of Brainiac 1.0 uniting with a human being and what that's going to look like later on in the DCAU. So I, I do really appreciate that. And I think it was a neat effect. It was neat effect then, and it was a neat effect when they used it later on in Justice League. Absolutely. And that will bring us to our top build voice actor pulling double duty, as mentioned, not only as Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, uh, but also, of course, as Static himself, we have Phil Lamar. Um, again, like part one, like we said, kind of light on on kind of big character moments or anything. But I, I think everybody gets a little bit more chance to shine, and Phil Lamar being no exception here as he's sort of faced with the idea of not only the world potentially ending with, with Brainiac sort of coming back online and, and wanting to digitize the earth, but of course his, his best friend being sort of trapped at the center of it and, and knowing that any damage he does to Brainiac could also be harming his friend. There's a little bit more like conflict in that. And as we said, even though maybe logistically it doesn't make, it kind of makes the justice league look like jerks. Uh, that sequence where kind of Batman's telling him to stand down and stay behind when they when they go to confront Brainiac at the end. I, I think uh, I think Philomar, unsurprisingly, perhaps uh, is is pretty darn good. Doesn't have as much to do in the GL role, but uh, definitely shines a static this week. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he really, I, as we said, the, the, the delicate balance in writing the character that leads the show and having him be a match for the superheroes or, or on the same level of the superheroes. I think a lot of that is, is done in the way that the static character vocal performance is done. And Phil Lamar, obviously pulling double duty is no, no small task. I'm sure as we've talked about before, but the fact that he's able to, uh, to, to pull off the static character without even a hint of jealousy and without even a hint of, uh, inferiority, uh, it, I think is great. And the fact that he's, he's able to, 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 uh, you know, to, to be able to, uh, communicate the emotion that static has at the end is he's still in all of these superheroes, you know, from the intro where they arrive at the beginning to, to fight the meta men group, uh, to the, you know, the very last scene of part two, it's a great bookend of him being just still in awe as a kid, of these larger than life superheroes. Uh, so yeah, I think his, his, his performance this week is, is fantastic. Absolutely. And I guess that will bring us to our scores for this week. Like I said, I really enjoyed everybody, especially in part two, like I said, I think more of the, the justice league side of the cast got more to do in, in part two, as well as strong performances from Phil Amar and Jason Marsden. Um, but I will say Another category, as you mentioned earlier, where I probably could have had a 10. I could have talked myself into a 10, but that, and again, it's not technically the actor's fault in this case, but it is in the voice acting category. That being that Brainiac uh, voice effect really did, I think, distract me and, and kind of brought it down a little bit. So despite all of that, I say all of that negative to say that my final score is still very strong. And that is a nine out of 10 for voice acting. Nice. I uh, I did not take a point off for the the voice effect. I you know I think that it's, even though it does detract from the character and I didn't like it, I think that you can still get a good you can hear a great performance from Corey Burton in the midst of the voice effect. So for all those reasons, a voice cast of this magnitude, uh, I felt I had no choice but to give it a perfect ten out of ten. Awesome. There you go. Well, that will bring us to, of course, our rewatchability. 
uh cal where where do you fall this is this is big i guess if you look forward and you know that there is another episode in the future where we see an older version of static at who is a member of the justice league but uh does does this first encounter is this important to static or to the dcau enough to to not only watch it the first time but to, to go back and visit it again yeah i think well and again, I sort of alluded to it at the beginning. I think part two is more important than part one. I think for the grand scheme of things, though, anytime there's a crossover for in the static series, that's going to be the one that people who maybe didn't grow up on these shows are drawn to to begin with. So I think if you're looking for something to get you into the static, the rest of the static series, uh, this is a natural intro <laughs> to that, you know, um, mm-hmm. any of the crossover episodes really are a, a great way to sort of introduce yourself to the characters. And I think, you know, I think because Brainiac is the focus here, this is the sort of bridge we get between uh, Twilight and then, you know, obviously the what happens in Justice League Unlimited uh, in the in as we go through that and in, into the the end of the Cadmus arc and all of that, um, you know, I think it's 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 extremely important uh, to to watch your Brainiac thread work all the way through. And as we said, maybe some unintentional but sort of retroactive uh, fitting into the whole DCAU narrative here with Brainiac being able to sort of meld to the the humanoids uh, in a way. So uh, I I think that that's important too. So yeah, I, I'd say definitely for part two is two thumbs up. I think with the cliffhanger and part one and sort of the little bit of meandering that you do in that episode, it's maybe not as important, but if you're going to watch one, watch both of them. What about you? Yeah, no, I think I would agree with that. I think, I think this is a, a firm double thumbs up. It's a, it's an important episode for static as far as Again, a, a character growth moment for him. It's it, you know it's interesting to see Richie kind of put in the spotlight as well, and put in danger in this way. Uh, you know, Static going up against you know as we said one of one of the biggest bads there is in the entire DC animated universe. And then on top of it, like you said, it's it's Static's first team up with the full Justice League. It's and uh, it also establishes a little bit of canon uh, that I, I believe Dwayne McDuffie would call back to, maybe not directly, as we said, there are no direct mentions of this adventure, but as you mentioned, Brainiac being able to take control of people, the the giant tentacle head, and, and some of that other stuff that does come back later on in Justice League Unlimited that was sort of, you can say that the, the, the groundwork was sort of laid here. So yeah, absolutely. I think this is a thumbs up for from a static point of view and a thumbs up from a, a DCAU point of view. So uh, that is a, I think a double thumbs up from both of us on that one. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fun episode and uh, certainly something to, uh, to revisit uh, whether you're watching through the static episodes, you're just introduced to the static episodes, or if you're trying to, uh, to sort of watch the main important ones in the DCAU as a whole. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will hang on. So Liam, I have a bonus point for this week's episode. This might be a first for me. It's with static shock. We'd have to go back in the archives at DCAUreview.com or on your favorite podcast app to check. (laughs) But I believe this may be the first time I've given a bonus point to a static episode. Uh, First time in a while for sure. But uh, I'm going to uh, give a bonus up point to, uh, as you alluded to, I really think that final line that they deliver in part two uh, really 
really grounds this in the DCAU. And uh, especially because we know uh, that that static eventually does become a member of the justice league. Uh, we mm-hmm. have, we have uh, an, an episode, a very important pivotal episode of justice league unlimited later on that reveals to us statics place in the justice league, or at least the justice league of the future. Uh, so we, we would not maybe have had that appearance if this, perhaps this line by Dwayne McDuffie, uh, was, was not in the episode, uh, because we, we have static being uh, told by the members of the justice league that they fully sort of expect him to join the league later on when he's older. Uh, so the fact that they were able to get that line in there, it's a nice little warm feel good wrap up and again i really think it establishes uh that the character while not on the level of these other giants yet will one day reach this status when he's of age and uh, become an important part of this dcau so uh, i love that i love that we eventually get to see that play out uh, at least partially in the justice league unlimited episode later on but uh yeah, I, I, I think that, that that's just the perfect way to end this episode. And it left me feeling warm and fuzzy. I don't know. Maybe it's the holidays. Maybe it's, you know, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it left me feeling warm and fuzzy. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought it deserved a, a, a an extra point because of that. I love that. Yeah. It's, and I think it's a little validating. It's um, this is maybe not a perfect analogy, but it's a little bit of like when characters from the Star Wars cartoons start showing up in live action. Sure. Yeah. Um, where it's like this this little piece that is supposedly part of this universe, but maybe it feels a little bit one sided. Like, yeah, like our we're in our own little play, playground, and and we're not really sure if the rest of the universe is really you know is is really going to be affected that much by by this character. But here we have the you know the Justice League, everyone from you know Green Lantern to Batman and and Hawk Girl all all sort of telling static that he he's going to be part of the league one day and that he, he is sort of worthy to stand with, with them as, and that's kind of, I think, as we said, has kind of been static's journey among these first couple of uh, Batman team ups that we've covered in, in the big leagues and hard as nails. And then we kind of see another evolution of that here, you know, as well as his, his team up with Superman, where it's, it's clear that even though he, yes, he is a kid, he still needs a little more experience perhaps, but that he is on his way to becoming one of the greatest heroes in, uh, in the universe. So it's, it is really cool. I think to get that, that sort of validation that again is sort of continued on when, when static comes over to justice league later on. So yeah, I love that as a bonus point. And uh, that will bring us to our final scores here, Cal and tallying everything up. I have come to a final score of 32 out of 40. Nice. And uh, I'm just a couple points higher, actually. Uh, mine with my bonus point ends up being a 34 out of 40, which again, I'll have to check in the archives at dcaureview.com, but maybe my highest rated static episode to date. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe uh, Anansi the Spider was a little bit higher, but still a very strong score from the both of us. Absolutely. And uh, as we already talked about rewatchability, I think I did that a little bit out of order, but Hey, that's what happens when Liam hosts the show, folks, things, 
things just go off the rails real quick. <laughs> but uh, but yes, that will uh, that will begin to wrap us up for this week. Thank you everyone for listening. Whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or of course, if you are listening slash watching on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, where of course you can find us as well as our friends at Tim Talk and the Watchtower database, putting content up there all the time as well. We appreciate that. Uh, if you have the time, if you have the ability to do so, we would love it if you would rate us, give us five stars, or leave us a review. If the if the app of choice you use to listen to podcasts allows you to do so, you know that takes a little time, but that does help us out a lot. And uh, and again, that's a a free way to support the podcast is just giving us the like on YouTube or or giving us the uh, the subscribe there on the Pod Tower channel, or or of course, as I said, leaving a review or, or giving us five stars. Any little bit helps, you know, and of course, also, if you'd like to support us more directly uh, from a monetary standpoint, you can, of course, visit our shop at DCAUreview.com. We have mugs and T-shirts and hats and uh, Spreadshirt, who we uh, who sort of distributes our stuff. Uh, also, I think uh, we'll have a, a Black Friday sale going on. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, there's probably a sale going on. So you can check out our social medias at DCAU Review on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm sure if and when there is a sale going on, we will be tweeting about that. And we'll give you a link to our store directly. So uh, definitely go ahead and follow us there for that info as well. But Cal, as we begin to wrap up November, we're getting into the final month of the year of 2021. We made it, everybody. We're almost there. <laughs> and uh, we're going to wrap it up. It's funny. Just a couple of weeks ago, we happened to have celebrated 20 years since the original Justice League animated series started, hmm. of course, in November of 2001, we, of course, reviewed an episode of Static Day that featured the Justice League. And uh, as we were sort of discussing things, we know we've kind of broken the seal and gotten into Justice League Unlimited. And uh, there are certain episodes of Justice League I think we want to hold back for uh, certain character-themed months that we may or may not do in the future. But we do still have a few episodes of the regular Justice League series to review. And uh, we're going to, how about we're going to kick that off and uh, look at a couple of those for the month of December. Yeah, you would think, uh, you know, we're so good at planning things that we lined this up so perfectly uh, <laughs> to celebrate the 20 year anniversary. We are just that good when it comes to planning things, Liam. Definitely not just all happenstance. But uh, yeah, definitely it's going to be a fun month. Uh, we'll have a uh, we'll have a Christmas special that we're doing. Also, since Christmas is on a Saturday this year, we'll release a special episode uh, outside of that. So it'll be a short month of Justice League next month, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun one, and I'm definitely looking forward to doing that. Absolutely, I am as well, and I can't wait. But until then, I'm Liam, and I'm Cal, and we'll be back with, next week with another episode of the DCAU Review.